1: good evening and welcome to another edition of live with dr wendy it is a great night there's so much to get to and as always i am joined in studio by my colleague and constitutional scholar larry dersham we're going to get into a little bit of that later on in the show but first hey sports fans guess what baseball is back but don't expect it to look quite the same as you remember growing up. And I don't just mean because there are no fans in the stands. Baseball looked very different this week as we saw a couple of opening games. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up going to baseball games in the summertime. And I remember singing, take me out to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch really eating peanuts and Cracker Jacks, just having all of the kinds of summer fun that almost was an oasis, a haven, an escape from the politics and the difficulties of life. Nostalgic, really, is what we think about it now, not just because we can't go, but because baseball games are very different nowadays. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But If you were one of those many fans who thought you were gonna actually watch the games this week to take a break from COVID-19 news, who else was throwing out the first pitch at one of the games? Yes, it was none other than Dr. Fauci. So Dr. Fauci, remember he is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He was the headline Thursday night, not because he gave another coronavirus briefing, But because he was probably, at least for a brief period of time, the most famous person on the field at the opening game between the New York Yankees and the Washington Nationals. Now, that's right. He's a big Nats fan. So he was able to take the field totally decked out in Nats gear, appropriately masked. But boy, did he toss a wild one. I think probably the headline became not so much that he was tossing the pitch, but the pitch itself. I mean, he probably would love to have a do over of that wild ball that he threw. But there was nobody in the fans to see. We're just all talking about it after the fact. Did you see that pitch, Larry, if that's what you want to call it?
2: Right, I did, Wendy. And he basically threw it to the ground. But I, I, I think that the pitch he told people afterwards that he threw it that way, because he didn't want anybody to catch anything. But, oh boy. Uh, but oh boy. Uh, one good thing that came out of it, though, I by throwing that, he did flatten the curve of ball a little bit.
1: OK, so. that, those are those are really funny jokes, Larry. But we always like to say when we're lawyers making jokes that it's a good thing we keep our day jobs. That's probably what Dr. Fauci was thinking after that first pitch, don't you think? However, let's talk about that as well, because some fans are calling foul on Fauci. It's true, he had a mask on during the pitch, but he was filmed without one later on in the stands. So he's gotta practice what he preaches. Remember, credibility is everything in our business, isn't it? So to be fair, when he was called out on it, he explained that he was dehydrated and you cannot drink through a mask, at least not easily. However, those games, those opening night games actually made headlines for another reason as well. Remember that on Thursday, July 23rd, every player and coach from both the Washington Nationals and the New York New York Yankees took a knee for 60 seconds of silence. But it was before the National Anthem was played. They actually stood for the National Anthem. And I just want to clear that up because I've heard so many news reports about them kneeling during the National Anthem. They didn't. They stood for the national anthem. Now that wasn't true at one of the other games, but all the both of those teams did stand. Nonetheless, it still made headlines because it was a display of unity between the MLB and BLM. How do you like that? At another game, same night, all members, or at least I should say most members of the San Francisco Giants also took a knee during a moment of silence during uh, prior to that game, except for one man. San Francisco Giants pitcher, Sam Coonrod, he was the only player to stand during that that minute of silence. Uh, And basically what he said is what many Christians are saying. Well, of course, that's what he's gonna say. There's so many scriptures that talk about this. He explained that he can't kneel before anything besides God. Uh, and by the way, the the team manager, um, Gabe Kapler, basically, he also kneeled during the ribbon ceremony as well as during the national ramp and said he respects Coonrod's decision to stand. Larry, does all of this mean that Colin Kaepernick might get listed because he might get signed now that everybody is sort of signing on to his movement? What do you think? How did, isn't he the one that started all of this years ago?
2: Uh, yes, yes, he did. And it was actually some time ago. It was on August 26th. 2016 during a preseason exhibition game between the green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers and quarterback Colin Kaepernick uh, was seen for the first time sitting on the bench during the star spangled banner or the national Anthem. Uh, Following the game though, uh, Kaepernick, he spoke to the media and he explained his decision. He said, you know, I'm not uh, going to stand and show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. And he also said, to me, this is bigger than football and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. And I think he did suffer some economic uh, setbacks after making that decision. But it seemed the whole it seems the whole thing is flipped now that everybody is bowing down.
1: You know, before we really think that the pendulum has swung, you know, one of the they didn't they didn't kneel at least the, the first game where Fauci threw the pitch. Those teams didn't kneel for the anthem. Some of the players on the other team did. However, you know, talk about pendulum swinging. I remember Mike Pence, remember this? 2017, it was October the 8th. He walked out of a game when people were kneeling. Now, remember, he flew all the way across the country only to walk out. So I guess we could say he took a stand when players took a knee. I remember at the time we were commenting on this and we said, if everyone did that, how would that impact the game? Players could kneel in an empty stadium, I guess, but that's what they're doing now, the stadiums are empty. So it's so much different, so many different ways. And remember back then the coaches had a very different perspective on kneeling during the anthem, not kneeling during uh, 60 seconds of silence like like the teams did this year, but kneeling during the anthem. The coaches basically nowadays are saying, hey, you know, everybody's got their own feelings. The intentions are high. Everybody's got to do what they like. Um, But along those lines uh, about the respect for the flag, guess who is scheduled to throw out the first pitch when the Yankees take on the Red Sox on August 15th?
2: I'll bet it is none other than our uh, beloved President Trump.
1: That's a good guess. You bet it. You bet it is. Now, I'll bet he has a better pitching arm than Dr. Fauci, I'll bet but yes. he also has less tolerance for disrespecting the flag. In fact, um, here's the catch, no pun intended. He actually doesn't want to participate in sports at all, not even as a spectator, according to him, unless the players Stand. Now, this is something he has been very consistent about throughout the time that this has been going on, and certainly since Thursday when we had that showing of solidarity at the games. And this is going to be something he's really going to have to think about because what he said was that he was looking forward to live sports, but he also said anytime he witnesses a player kneeling during the national anthem, so it'll be interesting to see how he is going to discuss how he feels about players kneeling during a sixty-second moment of silence or any other type of showing of unity or solid- solidarity with respect to Black Lives Matter. It'll be interesting to see how he draws that distinction.
2: Right, you know this is kind of an interesting. This is just in. This was a game that was played yesterday, Wendy, uh, between the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Oreos. and. They're at Fenway Park. They're in Boston. They put up a 254 foot long, 27 foot high Black Lives Matter banner, which is so large that it is literally visible from the International Space Station. Oh, my goodness. But what's kind of the, the hypocrisy of this, that there's there's more Black Lives Matter uh, banners in Fenway Park than there are black ball players. On the 2020 roster. So I think it's called virtue signaling. I think we need to do a whole show on virtue signaling, which is kind of a new term that's coming around. Uh, was that virtue signaling uh, that they pretend uh, this false virtue when basically they're not living up to their own uh, signaling?
1: Well, you know, here's an, an interesting issue that I mean, we've been talking about this for years. Um, every time this comes up, we ask ourselves, Should sports be a politics-free zone? Should it simply be about the game? Should it be an even playing field? Or should it be a place to protest racial injustice, societal injustices, um, religious differences? There are so many different things that have sort of politicized a variety of different sports. Is the playing field the place for politics?
2: I would say absolutely not. I think we're all looking for some relaxation, some political free zones where we can basically relax and, and, and be comfortable and not always be thinking about uh, all the, the riots, the uh, COVID-19 and so forth. And this was an interesting statement from Trump. I, I agree with this. He said, instead of kneeling, run for office. How about that? Yeah. Get out there and actually do something. This, you know, just kneeling, come on, what are you doing? Uh, just to try to show everybody that uh, you believe in that but run for office if you don't like the way things are going in this country run for office i would cr- yeah encourage. no that's absolutely right.
1: right the ballot box is the great equalizer so don't take a knee get on your feet and run i, I love that Amen. well we're going to talk a little bit more about uh some of these issues after the break but boy that's a um welcome to professional sports and baseball season we really have uh, we're off to a A a real big start, that's for sure. Anyway, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Live with Dr. Wendy. Back in a flash.
0: News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to Headline Highlights Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Live with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy
1: Patrick. Welcome back. We are listening to Live with Dr. Reggie. Thank you for spending a bit of your Saturday night with us. Now let's move from stadiums to sanctuaries, including church. Larry, we have a famous guest today for the we second do. half joining us that you and I have both known for years, who is currently in the trenches fighting for the right to peacefully assemble, not in CHOP or CHAZ, but in CHURCH. Tell us about Charles Lemandry
2: Right. Charles Lemandry as you heard that commercial, he's an amazing uh, personal injury lawyer, and he does so many wonderful recoveries, medical malpractice, and so forth. But one of the really interesting things he does, Wendy, is he does pro bono, that means for free, religious liberty cases, including, as they mentioned, the Mount Soledad Cross He's actually a hero of mine. He saved that cross. And it is is. one of the longest religious liberty cases in U.S. history. It may be the longest. It went on for at least 25 years until it was finally resolved. And that cross still stands today.
1: Larry, how would you like to handle one case for 25 years? Would that just be the end of your law practice? Well, pro pro bono, yes. Yeah, and and pro
2: bono to boot. You're right. Amazing. Uh, Another thing he's done, he's... uh, He's defending David Daleiden, who's the founder of the Center for Medical Progress and who videotaped Planned Parenthood uh, trafficking in in babies. And uh, we'll get into that maybe another day, not today. But uh, he's just an amazing person. And I'd like to introduce you right now uh, to uh, Charles Lemandry. Uh, Charles, are you there?
3: I'm here, Larry. Thank you very much for your kind remarks. I appreciate it. Hi, Dr. Wendy.
1: Hey, Chuck, one of the things that impresses me most about you is that you and your wife, Barbara, have been married for 23 years and have five children. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. I I am sure they have lived and breathed the Mount Soledad cross case right along with you. They probably don't know
3: life without it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We sure are all glad that it's still there.
2: Yes, that's for sure. So, Chuck, I know that you're involved in defending churches against the draconian church closure measures imposed right. by the governor uh, regarding the pandemic. And sure. I just heard yesterday that uh, you know, the Supreme Court, the SCOTUS for short, denied a Nevada church's right uh, to uh, break the the rules. They're allowed a cap of 50 people, whereas right. the casinos there, the restaurants can have 50%, which could be in the hundreds, if not the thousands in some of those casinos. Sure. So it seems like religious discrimination. So I know you're working on these types of cases in California, too. What is the latest? What's going on?
3: Well, we had a similar decision from the Supreme Court at the end of uh, May. And at that time, the California churches were allowed to have up to 100 people or 25% of their capacity, whichever was less. And the same uh, majority of five to four denied our request for an urgent injunction, just like they did for the Nevada Calvary Chapel Church that uh, had the case that they ruled on yesterday. Now an urgent injunction is very hard to get. It's a, it's a high standard and it's not uh, the same as when you go through the ordinary court process, which we are now in the process of doing um, the court ruled uh, against our urgent uh, injunction. And, and again, we had to, uh, A number of the justices joined in in a very vigorous dissent, in our case, the South Bay Pentecostal Church case, uh, and it's a church of uh, 600 people in Chula Vista in San Diego County, and wonderful client, Pastor Art Hodges, is the head of that church and is our client. Um, There were several dissents among justices, uh, Alito and Kavanaugh and uh, Gorsuch and Thomas, And they also all submitted uh, dissents in the Calvary Chapel case. So uh, it's not a a precedential decision when it's done uh, as it was. It's just a simple denial with no actual majority opinion uh, written. Uh, So in that sense, uh, it's not as bad as it might sound. Uh, And our case is going back to be determined on the merits. We actually have an oral argument for the Ninth Circuit coming up soon on August 12th. That Chuck, case, I think it's. Uh, oh. I
1: think it's important what you just pointed out. I want I want to make sure that that we're emphasizing this. This is not a ruling on the merits. And I right. know a lot of people they read a headline. It looks bad for a, for the church, or it looks bad for one side or the other, and they don't really take the time to realize. Well, what did the court actually look at? What was the question they were asking? Are they simply going to send it back for more information?
3: Right. Or you know, are they? Are they arriving at some sort
1: of a monumental decision? So I think that's important, and I want to ask you.
3: No opinion. Uh, The majority on yesterday's decision had no opinion at all. Uh, Right. It was all uh, very long, uh, elaborate, detailed, and well reasoned uh, defense. And In our case, uh, which came down on May 29th, there was like a very short uh, concurring opinion by Chief Justice uh, Roberts with the majority, but there was no majority decision, and his concurrence doesn't carry the, the weight. Uh, Precedents, and then, again, there was long uh, dissent to that. So,
1: so let me you... ask you something Go about ahead. yesterday's decision that everybody is wondering about, and it no doubt relates to your case as well. So, sure. in Neil Gorsuch's dissent, he basically gave a, uh, you know, I I love talking points and and, uh, and nice sound bites, and he really gave us right. one. He said there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. Yeah, and my normal. understanding is when Robert sided with the liberals, he did not give a rationale for the 50 percent no. versus 50 people.
3: No, he did not. Any he, uh, he didn't do that in our South Bay case either, which is one of the things that dissent has focused on. There's really no reasoning behind it and there's no science that it's based on what, what robert's basically said is you know it's a high standard for an urgent injunction this is kind of a moving target with uh, coronavirus we're just going to defer defer to the elected representatives uh, at least from his point of view and let them uh, make the decision under difficult circumstances but again as more time goes by our decision was in may this one is now is the middle of, of july by the time our case gets back up to the court it will be at least another two months i mean how much deference The other four uh, justices, the conservative justices of the court are saying, do you want to give the governors, uh, you know, indefinitely, that they can just uh, keep acting as these, well, the tyrants, if they're going to be basically killing the entire population of the state? that they can't go to church when it's a First Amendment right. So the first. What would you right
1: say to, to those that make the arguments? And you know, you and I and Larry, the three of us have heard these uh, all over the place. Some people make the arguments, oh, well, at church, you know, people are singing, they're projecting, they're in small spaces, they're enclosed, they're there for long periods of time. But if we're going to compare it to casinos, um, I don't know, maybe you don't have singing in casinos, or at least you shouldn't. But how do we distinguish the situation, what where, where you, can't, you can't congregate this many people in a church, but somehow some of the same types of activities? I understand passing around the offering basket and all of that, but you can do away with, or I suppose have workarounds for those types of activities. Well, What's the difference between client, 10 people, 20 people coming by and touching the same slot machines?
3: Sure, our client, uh, Art Hodges, you know, as a 600-person church, he was limited, you know, to 25% capacity where he could easily, with social distancing, have had two to 300 people, you know, instead of a, a maximum of 100, of course there's cathedrals and such that will hold uh, over 1,000 or, or more people, uh, and they were limited to 100. Now they can't open at all. Now, in the case of Pastor Hodges and some of these other large uh, churches, uh, what they were doing is they were taking people's temperature at the door. Everybody had to wear a mask. They were only a yeah. set in every other uh, row, uh, and so families were more than uh, six feet apart for the most part, and everybody had masks on. So, you know, if you're seeing, you have a mask on, you know, you're still not going to be pre- uh, projecting uh, any, any type of saliva or any, anything for your, your mask. is going to be potentially infecting anyone. But uh, most of these churches went ahead and, and followed the governor's order and disallowed uh, singing other than, you know, maybe, you know, one, one person uh, who is um, – You know, not even leading the choir, just basically uh, leading whatever Bible verses are are sung at the front of the church.
2: Hey, Charles, Uh, I I saw.
3: They complied. They complied with everything and more that the CDC and and county and state governments would have required. Certainly more so than you see in uh, large uh, retail outlets like Costco or. Certainly more than what you saw with the thousands of people congregating in the streets during the
2: George <laughs> Right, Hey, Char- Char- Charles, Charles, I saw a, a YouTube video of a Walmart, and it was like one of these flash mob, a, a church mob. They were singing <laughs> praise songs inside a Walmart, and nobody was getting in trouble, and it, it went on for some Masked time. Masked
1: or no mask? Did yeah. they have masks on, Larry?
2: No. No, they, they, okay, they did not.
1: You know, that footage, Chuck, is great for your case, because this is well, exactly what we're yeah. talking about. Well, look
2: at that.
3: We'll look at that, and in fact, uh, at least when we filed our, our last brief about uh, 10 days ago, I haven't looked at the COVID-19 rates in, in California and San Diego in the last week, but the curve was going way down on deaths related to COVID, and there was still plenty of, uh, of uh, availability for hospital beds, ICU beds, and all that uh, in California. People needed it, so there's no reason to impose these onerous restrictions on the churches, particularly when the people there are going out of their way to act responsibly. The crisis has been largely averted in California. I mean, there may be a few hot spots that you could deal with, but San Diego County actually has done, for the most part, very well. And the death rates from COVID-19 are way down on the list of leading death rates in San Diego and California generally, where you you know might have higher death rates than do, in fact, for things like a cancer or diabetes uh, heart disease, uh, HIV uh, accidents, suicides, which are way yes. up. Um, so but so COVID-19 is way down the list, but yet they're allowing it to be the means to keep people from exercising a constitutional right. Uh, hey Chuck, real fast, exercise. we're up against
1: a break, but how do people find out more about you?
3: They you go to our website, uh, www.fcdf, or Freedom of Conscious Defense Fund, legal.org. So FCDF And we discuss all of the cases that we've worked on in the past and that are currently down, including the one we're talking about. That is so
1: terrific. Thank you so much for joining us, Chuck. Uh, we yep. want to thank everybody for listening. Tune in next week where we will have former Deputy National Security Advisor KT McFarland will be our special guest next week. Uh, She's the author of the new book, Revolution, and she is very outspoken when it comes to her opinion. So please join us next Saturday night to listen to her. And thank you for joining us tonight. Have a wonderful, safe rest of your weekend. And we will see you next Saturday. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week. God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.